show by UDTFF. Here's Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your host, Jake Trowbridge and Dustin Lunt. Welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Happy Tuesday evening. Uh, week 16, NFL, the playoffs for fantasy are in full swing here. Playoffs? Oh, it is playoffs? Of course. It is a glorious time of the year. Glorious. Uh, even more so for me right now because uh, I just I'm gonna just humble brag a little bit here. Um, I'm officially off of work for two weeks now, so mm. I am oh I am feeling so good. <laughs> you said humble brag, and the first thing that came to my mind was like, you don't need to be humble, just brag on this podcast. We do it all the time. That didn't even really require a humble brag. I think that no. required an apology. To everybody else who has to go into work like a bunch of suckers, like this guy, the next couple of weeks. That's what I think. I don't feel bad about it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fine. That's fine. Yes. How are you doing this evening, Jake? I'm doing great. I've got week 16 to look forward to still in a couple of very important dynasty leagues for me that I feel good about. And right. I have a beverage in hand. That always helps. Uh, oh, I do want to jump helps. right to this because I'm very excited about this. I got gifted Apple Moonshine over the weekend. Ooh. I've never had Apple Moonshine. I don't know if I've ever had any type of moonshine at all, but I mixed it with a little bit, just a little bit of uh, ginger beer. It's chef's kiss. Phenomenal it drink. Sounds delightful. Apple Moonshine. I've got to get on some of that, I think. That sounds fucking terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big fan. What's in your, uh, your cup? tonight dustin what's in my wallet um i've got i'm drinking a little uh woodford reserve this evening uh like i said celebrating the end of the first uh, half of the school year here basically we're classing so, this beast yeah. up tonight i don't know about it classing up. it up but we're, we're trying well for now we are i know you're gonna downgrade us in your beverage of choice in a moment i do i feel like we have a lot to talk about this episode with the ghost of fantasy past if, if anybody remembers from last year, we had, it was very festive, a little depressing, but very <laughs> festive. Hence the shirt in my little festive the Santa shirt. Claus um, sweater here. You did. you did great. I did not do that. Uh, I'm not festive in that way. I'm very Grinchy, uh, apparently. But we will be talking about a lot. But I want to get to the shot payout from last week because when we made this bet, I thought this was going to be one of the greatest bets we've ever made. High scoring, big action, fucking no. Just absolutely no. As a refresher, as you get your shot du jour ready, and I already know what it's going to be. Well, uh, but we, la we last week, because we faced each other in the fantasy uh, consolation bracket in our home mm -hmm. league last week, we decided to go head to head from that. So I plucked out Brees Hall and Devin Achan. And I said, you pick. And you picked Brees Hall, who's kind of my guy. And then that left me with Devin Achan, who's kind of your guy. I know. Do you want to recap it was, it was, how that went? It, it was a uh, turning of the tides, you know. And, and you know, Achan was one of my drinking buddies to start the season. Um, but I, going against the Jets, I did not anticipate 
that Achan would do well just because the Jets have a very good defense. Miami's defense, while no slouch either, aren't quite up to the standard that the Jets are. So I figured Brees Hall would have a little bit easier sledding than, than Achan did. Unfortunately, that did not work out. Um, Brees Hall, a paltry 2.8 points. And Achan, while not terrific, definitely beat me in this bet uh, with 9.2 points last week. Uh, ne- neither did oh, great. Hard. Let's be honest. Neither did great. But I know you'll take this victory. Um, yeah. As as I would as well. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I lose this bet. I lose in the fantasy consolation bracket to you as well. I couldn't take the clean sweep of three times uh, beating you here, unfortunately. So, Jake, this is a double um, uh, victory for you. I hope you savor it because it's not going to happen again. I can't say I'll guarantee it, but I want to guarantee it. Um, But yes, Jake, you are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, and I appreciate Fireball, not a sponsor of this podcast yet. They should be. They eventually will be. I don't really want to waste time on news and notes. There's some more depressing news for people who are still in the fantasy playoffs that, you know what, everybody sees it. At this point, you see it. You know what you have to do. So I don't think we need to rehash any of that. I would rather go into the more joyful segment of ours because we have a longer one this week. Yeah. Before we get into that, I just want to shout out uh, Albert joining us in the chat here again. Thanks for joining us, Albert. Appreciate you. Uh, but yeah, now let's do our drunk trade of the week. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. Dustin, we're breaking from our format a little bit this week. What? No Reddit contribution this week. Uh, this one comes off of Twitter. We got a Twitter submission uh, that we get to divulge from Big Kimbalski28 on Twitter. Repeat submitter. I do want to call out. Goes by the dude also over there on Twitter. So this is a lengthy one. I wanted to make sure we dedicated a little bit of time to this. So in it. a weekend of cloudy judgment, I pushed my chips all in, he says. This is a IDP league. I want to rip that bandaid off right away. He says, I traded Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and Aiden Hutchinson for Alvin Kamara. That's trade one. Then I dealt Zach Charbonnet, bring me a Charbonnet, Kenneth Walker, Rasheed Rice, a 2024 first overall pick that's already been decided and locked in. And a 2025 second, I got winded reading that, for C.D. Lamb as the exchange. We're sensing a pattern, all right? But we're not done. We're into trade three now. He says, I finished it off trading a 2024 third and fourth, T.J. Watt and Khalil Shakir for Raheem Mostert. Holy shit. That's a lot. That was... That was a lot. So I do want to break this down individually first. So first trade, I I don't know anything about IDP. I played in one league for one season. I'm certainly not an expert in that. But just reading the tea leaves a little bit. We know Aiden Hutchinson is a Mm -hmm. dynamite player, young player on defense. 
But the combo of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson to lock up the Washington backfield, is all of that worth it to get Alvin Kamara if you're pushing your chips in, do you think? I think so. And again, I'm not an IDP person either. Uh, but I do think if you're going all in, uh, and Kamara should be good next year as well. Um, with Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, it's like when Gibson was healthy, you didn't know who to start week to week uh, as someone that had Brian Robinson on their fantasy squad this year. Uh, it was kind of a crapshoot knowing when you were going to be able to start him and when not. Um, and Aiden Hutchinson, great player for IDP, I'm sure. But uh, to get Alvin Kamara, who has been having an on-fire season here, totally worth it. Second trade. Yeah. This one I'm not the biggest fan of, um, only because you're giving up the 101 and Kenneth Walker. Um, And I'm not the hugest Kenneth Walker fan, but he's definitely just like leave all the other pieces out. Mm-hmm. Say Kenneth Walker and the 101 for CeeDee Lamb, that is a huge overpay. I, I don't know that you should have traded CeeDee Lamb for just the 101 straight up, to be honest. Can, can I ask you, does it make a difference to you? And I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm curious. If it's Superflex versus non-Superflex, does the 101 plus Walker still, either way, is that an overpay for CeeDee Lamb for you? Yes. Okay. I think so. Because uh, regard, if it's super flex, you know you're going to take one of the top quarterbacks in the coming out. If it's non super flex, you're probably going to end up taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, if uh, assuming he declares, and I know there's all this hubbub going on right now, blah blah blah. I don't believe any of it. I'm assuming he's going to declare. Um, and and, and this is nothing against C.D. Lamb, but you know I think. Uh, he's going to be a better player than, than CD lamb. I know. So I, I think that is a big overpay for CD, but I understand going all in Rasheed rice, nice player coming along Charbonnet. I mean, you had both players on that backfield. So it's, you know, getting rid of him. I don't mind the seconds, whatever, but yeah, I just I, I am not a big fan of the second part of this trade for CD, I guess. Yeah, because you're I going agree. all in. OK, but you better make damn sure you're winning this championship uh, to mortgage your future like that, since you are giving up the 101 plus a uh, very solid running back in Kenneth Walker. Uh, and the last trade, it's just kind of like a whatever. Uh, again, you're a third or fourth. TJ Watt, good IDP player. Yeah. Uh, Cleo Shakir is not anything great for Mostert. So I don't mind that one. That's kind of just a whatever. Um, so the first and third trades, fine. I have no problem with that. Second one is the one that I have huge issues with. Uh, we could probably sit and talk about it all day long. It is a big one. And that's why, again, I wanted to make sure we dedicated some time. I think it's an interesting approach, at least doubling down on the backfield in two of these mm-hmm. trades and saying, it's the commander's backfield. It's the Seahawks backfield. Take it. I'm not even going to deal. I'm not even going to deal you one and then hope that I get the secret value by holding on to the other player, which is right. what I would have liked to see here. I have my own doubts about Kenneth Walker, although he looked awesome last mm-hmm. week or this past week, rather. But if, if it is going to be a Seattle guy, it's obviously either Kenneth Walker or Zach Charbonnet, who both have equal draft capital. I'd like to keep one of those guys just to 
give myself the chance to hit there. Mm -hmm. But maybe there was some back and forth with the trading and, and that had to get thrown into the mix. I don't know. I really like Rasheed Rice. I, I disagree that Walker in the 101 is a massive overpay for CeeDee Lamb, but I agree that it's an overpay. But all of this together definitely is. If I had to look at this all in, I, I get it. You get Kamara, CeeDee Lamb, and Mostert. All three are dynamite right now. So mm -hmm. if you win the championship, this all looks worth it. But I do well, think it's absolutely. a pretty big risk. Yeah, you, you definitely have to win the championship for this to work out. I just... I mean, and you're giving up a lot of kind of whatever players to get the, the best players out of this. You know, Kamara, CD, Mostert, like you said, they're studs right now. Uh, you, you're, you're getting, you know, getting rid of uh, three quarters and, and getting a dollar out of it for the most part, uh, except for that second part of the trade for me. <laughs> so that second trade. You're going to yeah. stitch that second trade into a thrill pillow and burn it. I know you. You just want to sacrifice it so you get the bad vibes off of you i just might this off season like that's oh i don't like uh, that at all at all uh, look i'm a big fan of just the approach and like and go get yourself that championship and for yeah, sharing your ship like it's totally worth it because yeah. championships live forever second place nobody remembers that nobody and cares. you know if you win the ship after making all these moves and you know, no one's going to remember that you you traded away the 101 because, hey, you got a championship out of it. So, I I mean, if it works out, yeah, I'm all for that. But I just I don't know if I could personally make that trade. I understand it. You got to be bold. You got to be bold sometimes mm -hmm. in fantasy football. And that definitely qualifies. It's very bold. So, thank you for submitting another call out to everybody watching and listening. Continue submitting those, those, those drunk trades. I hope that you don't stop making drunk trades because it's soon to be the non-point scoring season. This is when I make most of mine. So I hope Same. you're like me. Same. Uh, this is when I start to ramp up my trading here once the fantasy championships are done. Uh, then I really start to take a look at my teams and uh, start trading away players and, and making moves. So, yeah. It's a time of year where it's going to get real fun um, if you're degenerates like the rest of us here and do dynasty <laughs> all year long. And why wouldn't you be? Really? Exactly. Why wouldn't you be? That's why we do this show uh, mm -hmm. all year long. All right. Do we want to venture into our main meat of the show? Yeah, let's do it. So as you said at the top of the show here, Jake, we're talking the ghost of fantasy past. So this ghost, he's a friendly ghost. All right, we're, we're not talking scary ghosts here. We're not, I mean, not like Casper friendly, you know, we're not, we're not that cheese ball, but uh, he's not Are a we? scary ghost. Uh, he's come back to show you your, your, your wrongs from this fantasy season, pulls back the curtain. What does he show you? All right. So Jake, why don't you start us off here? Uh, what is the first thing that this fantasy ghost shows you? Well, the first thing that he showed me in particular is Jake, you once again suck at drafting tight ends. That's no surprise. That is no, no surprise. surprise at all. But the methodology that I went about being bad at drafting tight ends this year was actually different. This year, I said, look, it's three guys for me. I harped on this all offseason. I said, I'm drafting Travis Kelsey in the first. If I yeah. don't get Travis Kelsey in the first, I'm taking Mark Andrews right after him. If I miss on Andrews, I'm taking Darren Waller in like the fifth, sixth round, and then I'm done. 
and then I'm punting the hell out of the position. Uh, I still think that 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 was bad. That was bad. Uh, the punting thing is okay if I had lucked into one of these tight ends that are blowing up, which brings me to my real point here. First and second year tight ends can actually dominate in fantasy football, it turns out. And a lot of them can do it all at once, evidently. Dustin, I want to review with you the top 10, no, excuse me, top 12 fantasy tight ends as of right now through week all 15. Right. Hit me. How how many first and second year tight ends do you think make the cut in the top 12 for PPR? I'm going to say three. Very close. There's actually four oh. of these some um, bitches up in the top 12. So we have Sam Laporta currently yep. at tight end three overall. True just rookie. Like, We've got a Trey. Incredible season. Incredible season by Laporta. Amazing. Um, and out of nowhere. This is not yeah. somebody that we, anybody, well, anybody that we know, <laughs> really projected <laughs> this high of a season for him. So he's number three. Trey McBride, second-year guy from Carolina, mm -hmm. is the tight end eight. This is despite being stuck behind Zach Ertz to start the season, by the way. Right behind him is Jake Ferguson at tight end nine. And then we have bringing up the rear, Dalton Kincaid at top 12. Dalton Kincaid, probably the only one of these guys that was drafted in the first 10 rounds of your mm -hmm. fantasy draft, by the way. Everybody else is going to be well beyond that with their Well MVP. beyond it. So, do we have to completely buck this narrative that you and I have both discussed at length on this show? of Like, third-year breakout, that's kind of when we expect to see real production from a lot of these tight ends. And it's almost like you, you want to see it first before you invest, especially in redraft, Absolutely. at that position. So is it just simply that they, and I'm asking genuinely here, Dustin, is it simply that they all landed in great situations? Or is there something else at play here? Is there an easy way to identify these guys for next year? Because I love the idea, and I'll get back on board. I've done this before. I'll punt the hell out of tight end. But I want to make sure that I'm punting it with a goal in mind, not just taking scraps. Yeah, I think we are entering uh, a time period here in the NFL where you can punt the tight end position and easily lock yourself into a tight end that's going to finish as a tight end one and could be anywhere up to like tight end three or four, depending on how the season goes. I mean, we got a lot of great young tight ends coming that have come into the league over the last couple of years. I know there's a couple good ones that are supposed to be declaring this year um, coming out of college. Uh, and, and you didn't even touch upon, you know, some of the other names that maybe just hadn't produced this year. I mean, just just let, let's take a step as our Homer perspective here. You know, you got the two tight ends, you got Musgrave. And, and craft here on the Packers that didn't crack the top 12, but have definitely given you very good fantasy weeks. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the tight end landscape, while it's never going to be sexy, like the <laughs> running backs, or, you know, any other position in, in fantasy, I think we're going to be coming into a, uh, probably like a five to six year span here where you can confidently 
punt the tight end position and get someone that, like I said, you, th- there'll be a tight end one, but has the upside of finishing within the top five very easily, just kind of depending on how the, the season goes. So I think the landscape for tight end is, is really looking promising moving forward. I mean, is there still going to be a premium for the guys like Kelsey? I don't know next year. Uh, I feel like the shine is worn off a little bit. He's what going to be 34 next year. 35, uh, I believe. 35. So, I mean, and, you know, the Chiefs offense in general just hasn't looked quite as explosive. I mean, you still got Mark Andrews. Laporta is probably going to go real early next year just based off the season he had this year. Um, but other than like maybe those couple of guys, it's like, unless they fall to me in drafts like the third, fourth round, like you're saying, I, I, I'll be content to wait until like the eighth, ninth, tenth round and get one of these young guys that has shown a ton of potential and and just grab them there and just hope for the best. Yeah, and I feel like mid-round tight end has to die. Officially, for me, at least, it has to die. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Darren Waller, but that's all I know. You I tried that this me. year and it just backfired spectacularly in my face. Awful, <laughs> awful decision. So, yes, I agree with you. I do think some of these guys land in really good positions. But I don't know that anybody said they were great positions out of the gate outside of maybe Laporta. But again, that was just here's a vacuum left behind by TJ Hawkins. Well, I think Kincaid, is he going to fill it? Kincaid was was very much a, a prime spot. I think people thought out there in Buffalo. You know, we didn't even talk about guys like uh, Mayer out in Las Vegas, who has right. come on lately. You know, nothing spectacular, but has had a decent rookie campaign, all things considered. Probably uh, they got to punt for next year if you're into yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, the 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 tight end I was surprised with uh, on your list was uh, Jake Ferguson. Uh, I didn't realize he was only a second year tight end. I thought maybe he was like a third year, so that's why it didn't even cross my mind that he would be one of those guys. And it's just like, yeah, like there there's so many just good young tight ends right now that are essentially large wide receivers. <laughs> Uh, you know, that that can just go stretch the field and create mismatches against the linebackers and, um, you know, in the secondary. So I think, yeah, Titan Titans actually, I think, looking up finally. I know we've been saying it for years, but I think finally this next actually, season it's going to happen. I think it's actually going to happen. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't wait to tweet it out again this offseason in the hope <laughs> that I'm I'm finally right about it after all. <laughs> Uh, but that's great news for everybody. We need that at the position. Otherwise, it was getting terrible. So yes. good to see fresh faces in there. All right. What is the ghost of Fantasy Pass showing you, Dustin? Oh, my God. They, <coughs> Excuse me. It's, it's it's trying to come out of me. Ugh. Get the um, spirit out. Yes. Uh, it's, it's showing me that you cannot have too many running backs on your squad. With just a plethora of injuries. Guys going down constantly. You're seeing guys <laughs> just step up. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't don't you ever apologize for that's a joke what she like said. That. <laughs> okay, I just want to double down then in that case. Uh, with the amount of injuries that we've seen over the last couple of years, the value of getting these running backs and drafting them late when they're based, you know, they cost you nothing at that point. That late in the draft. Assuming that you don't go running back heavy, or you know you have a solid group of of wide receivers, you know fill out your bench. You know don't take a second tight end, don't take a second quarterback. You know, and, and we're talking strictly redraft here. 
you know, don't take a second defense. Like, don't do that. Fill up your bench with as many running backs as possible because you know at some point they're going to end up being fantasy relevant. Whether it's a week, two weeks, three weeks, it's going to happen. And if you have a bunch of these guys on your bench, you can either plug them into your lineup or you can trade them away and get pieces that you need in return for guys that you drafted in the double-digit rounds that basically cost you nothing that had you not drafted them, you could have picked them up on the waiver wire because they probably wouldn't have been drafted anyway. Right. I I fully agree. I'm fully on board with the draft principle of saying in the first few rounds, my targets are going to be wide receivers. Obviously, you adjust as the draft board falls and all of that. We talk about being flexible, but I think the goal should be like, try to get your top, top solid three wide receiver type of guys. I mean, how lovely is it to have somebody like Tyreek Hill on your team and then followed up in round two with A.J. Brown? You know, if you're drafting towards the mid round, mm-hmm. like that's a reality of what you could have done. And it's obviously paying off well for those teams and the running backs. It's just you like you said, it's a it's a waiting game. Eventually, they're going to get there. So do you have the patience to wait for that injury or exactly. wait for the death chart to flip over? Uh, because inevitably, inevitably will. I don't know if I have that patience, so I will have to test this theory next draft I, season. I, I was going to ask, Jake, do you yeah. do you see yourself being like a total punt the running back, uh, you know, zero RB going heavy wide receiver quarterback tight end before you start doing running backs? Or do you find yourself more maybe like that anchor running back where? Mm-hmm. You get the one stud that you know you can rely on every week. Your CMCs, your B. John Robinson, um, guys of that ilk. And I know there's not many of them left that that have that full workload. But um, and again, it's depending on where you end up in that first round uh, in the draft order. Anyway, so do you see yourself being like more of a hero RB, getting that anchor guy, or maybe being more of that? Let's let's get the wide receivers, and I'll just figure out the running back position later. My head and my heart have two very different answers to this. Same. I know. I, I'm in my the same head, boat as you. <laughs> my head says, yep, I, I have the data. I, ha- I have the information. I'm going to wait as long as possible. Zero RB, here I come. I'm not drafting one inside the first 10 rounds, and I'll just load up at the position at the tail end of this draft and stock the cupboards. And I'll deal with week one, you know, and week two if I have to. But by week three, I'll have my guys by doing that method. In my heart, I know what's going to happen is I get to round four and some running back looks really good and it looks like a value for me mm-hmm. based on where I thought he'd be drafted and I scoop him up. And probably the same thing in round six or seven. And then <laughs> round 10 comes around and, and I will just completely fall off of this because of perceived value. Which, by the way, speaking to this point, there, we always talk about a running back like dead zone. Mm -hmm. in the draft period, which is typically somewhere between like rounds six through nine, maybe. Nice. Uh, I do think that that's like this golf, and and there's always guys in there that somebody hypes up, and that's how they get to that level of Mm -hmm. ADP that they probably don't deserve. I think the argument should be like, try to avoid those guys and wait even a little bit longer past the dead zone to load up on those running backs. But again, it's hard. It's easier said than done. It, it it is it is. I don't know if I have the uh, the wherewithal. That is a good word. Not the word I was going to use, Holmes. but uh, that was uh, the testes. Yeah, 
I, I don't know if I have the fortitude to uh, to there do that. Uh, but in, in my brain, my brain tells me, yes, that is the way to go. But I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it come draft day. We'll we'll see, though. That That's a many, right. many moons from now. Yes. Last minute gift ideas for both myself and Dustin. Some additional fortitude, if you wouldn't mind. We would appreciate in time for next year. That's what we yeah, want. We want extra right. fortitude. I All want right. I want to coincide with yours here. So my next one is very much. Uh, a sole counterpart to what you're talking about here, which is increased IR spots are increasingly important. One might say vital at this stage in the other. If we're just looking at quarterbacks that have started right. a game this year, it is mind boggling. And we're not talking about season ending injuries, which obviously there's a ton of those as well. Mm -hmm. I think that plays into your running back thing from before. But we're also talking short-term injuries where guys have been placed on four-week IR and then yep. they will come off and then they will contribute to your fantasy team. But how many of those guys do you feel comfortable holding on to, especially if it's a, a shallow bench type situation? Which mm -hmm. I'm fine with a shallow bench, by the way. No issues with a shallow yeah. bench. You want four four bench spots and that way you can keep the, uh, the uh, waivers churning? Great. I'm on board. But if you wouldn't mind just making three extra IR spots then so my draft doesn't go to shit because everybody I drafted gets put on IR, then you got to drop them and hope to scavenge them back up later. I know this yep. is strategy. I get it. But damn, it, man. You know, and part of that too, I think it depends on your league settings. So if you're, you know, do the waiver priority yeah, that that's where it hurts you a little bit more. But if you, if you work the fab system, um, you know, where you have your allotted hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, whatever, then you can, you know, bid to get those guys back. And the chances of you actually getting those guys probably a little bit better, assuming you budget your fab dollars correctly. But yeah, if, if you're going strictly on waiver priority, that, that's a tall ask if you don't have, you know, extra IR spots and just with. Yeah, just sheer number of injuries to fantasy relevant players we've seen over the last few years. Like, yeah, it's probably time that leagues start taking notice of that. And instead of having just one and I, you know, I speaking just from our home league here, we just have the one IR spot. It would be nice to have like two or three just to be able to stash guys for that four week period where they are on IR. Um, so you don't have to worry about dropping them or wasting a bench spot holding on to a guy with IR. Like I had that situation with uh, HN and Waller. I had Waller on my IR, but HN was out. And it's like, well, I'm not going to drop him because I know someone else is probably going to pick him up right away, even though he's on IR, you know? So I was like, just held that bench spot for four or five weeks there and just waiting. Cause all we had was the one, one IR position. So I feel that pain. And I think that is a very good point, Jake. Like, yes. We should we should be adjusting how we're looking at the IR position and and just with the, just the sheer number of injuries we've seen over the last few years. Yeah. Question about that. Would you be in favor, hypothetically, of changing the IR status to allow players who are ruled out? Or is that still a bridge too far for you? Um, I play in leagues where if players are ruled out you can put them in the ir spot um 
I think it takes a little bit more honesty on on the fantasy manager and more oversight on the commissioner to make sure that you're not in violation of said IR spot if these players are not actually out. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. And if your league allows it, I think it's totally fine because your players are ruled out. You know, there's no chance of them playing. So why not be able to put them in a spot where it doesn't matter, you know, and allow yourself to maybe pick up a extra bench player for the week or a spot start or something, you know, like that, that, that that's fine. It all just depends on your league. Give us flexibility, baby. That's all I'm asking for here. Mm-hmm. A little flexibility. All right. What else has the ghost of fantasy pass talked to you about this year? This, this one is, is literally just speaking directly to my soul uh, because I did not do this at all this year. I was, and it's, it's be more aggressive on the waiver wire. I, I was not aggressive on the waiver wire in, in many of my leagues this year. Um, uh, much to my detriment, uh, you got guys like Puka Nakua that blew up week one that wasn't on anyone's roster, uh, in, in a redraft league here, you know, strictly redraft, um, would have picked him up. My season probably would have been a little bit different, you know? So, so guys like that, that just came out of nowhere that you weren't expecting. It's like, no, you got to go all in, push your chips in, spend, you know, whatever, all your fab money for the season on these guys that are going to be game changers. And, and, you know, Puka is the, the example for this season. Like, yeah, he won you weeks and he's very consistent for a huge chunk of the season. And had you picked him up, you are probably in the fantasy playoffs right now. Uh, I, I would be shocked if there were a lot of teams that had him on their roster that are not in the fantasy playoffs right now. Hmm. Yeah, between Puka, Tank Dell might have been on there your waivers no, that's earlier a good in the one. year. I think a lot of people had him out on their uh, on their waivers. Uh, those tight ends that we were talking about earlier, Trey McBride, yeah. Jake Ferguson, those guys. Sam Laporta might have been drafted, but he might have been available in some leagues as well. Being aggressive, I think, as you said, it's hard because you it get, is. especially <laughs> if it's early in the season. Because you go, I drafted this team. I really love my team. And we always preach preach patience, right? Give your guys mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Don't overreact and drop them after one or two bad weeks. So there is this balance of like, I got to identify those diamonds that are sitting out there and available for me. But is, is it a one-week wonder? Am I going to regret oh, yeah. dropping this guy that I drafted? So it's so hard to strike that balance. I mean, I, I, I distinctly remember uh, Alvin Kamara's rookie season uh, mm-hmm. in, in our same redraft league here. I, I, I waited and waited. I'm like, and I, and I had a feeling. I'm like, I think this is the guy. I'm like, I feel like I can wait another week or two. And I'm like, next week, came, I'm like, I'm going to wait one more week, one more week, just to make sure. <laughs> and then someone picked him up. And I remember it was our good friend, Paul, Mr. Nichols. He picked them up and he had waiver priority over me, ended up getting them and changed his whole whole season around because he had Camara, you know. So it's like I and and I am terrible at this. Like I, I always hesitate in pulling the trigger. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I'm right there with you. That's why again I kind of have a oh, let's call this one a cousin to yours, and we'll just lump it in here together, which is it's better to be early on a player than late. 
So it definitely applies to waivers. Yep. Hardcore applies to waivers, but it also applies, I think, in some cases to drafting and your draft oh, strategy. For sure. It's guys that you've seen have flashes this this previous year. So let's take Michael Mayer as an example. What we've seen out of Michael Mayer this year says to me, like, I'd I'd be very okay with him being my punt tight end for next year. Acknowledging that maybe I do have to wait a couple of weeks, but from what I've seen, he might have the Trey McBride ascension. So I'll Mm -hmm. be early, I'll draft him, maybe rather than picking him up off of waivers or fighting for him on waivers a couple of weeks after the draft. But same deal with the waiver process. Let me ask you another good example of the, the waiver guy and how much you would have spent if you did not draft Devin Achan. Big caveat. But Raheem Mostert, there were leagues where Raheem Mostert was completely undrafted, just mm-hmm. completely overlooked. And in week one, that's the only week that he would have been available on waivers. Basically every... But if you look at that and you go, well, he's 31 years old, he's a running back, he'll have these first couple of weeks, and then uh, and then it's going to be all Achan. Yep. But if you... If you completely ignore that, you're kind of screwed. So I tried it this year. Here's what I'll say about this process for me this year. I I think I had the right strategy. It did not pay out. I was early, quote unquote, on guys like Jeff Wilson, who I picked up thinking as soon as he got activated and Devin Achan went on to IR, I was like, Mm -hmm. I snapped him up right away. It's like, oh, that's going to pay off for me. Not now, not right now, but in a couple weeks. That's going to pay off for me. I, I went out and I snatched up um, uh, Kyler Murray a couple of weeks before he returned from IR. So I'm like, all right, it's not going to pay off now, but it's going to pay off when it came back. None of those moves actually paid off for me, but I still believe that it was the right decision in the moment because it's the family guy thing. They could be nothing. They could be a boat. I'll take the risk of them being a boat rather mm-hmm. than just kind of waiting. So, yeah. And I think your process is right. Like, you know, you get a player like Kyler that was coming off of IR. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, we know he is a game changing, you know, top five quarterback in the league. Like, why why wouldn't you want to take that chance that he's going to return that value that you picked up off the waiver wire for absolutely nothing? Yeah. You know, so to be a couple uh, couple weeks early on that, you know, I don't mind that. I think that is a good strategy. If if your bench or if you're, you know, depending on what your record is, if you can, you know, take that player not playing for a couple weeks and, you know, basically take zero points on your bench or you don't have to start them. I think it's a great strategy. I, I do. And that's probably something I'll try to do more next season um, is, is try to look ahead as those players are, you know, coming off of IR, coming back from injury, you know. And, and just really be like, do I feel like this, this player can be a game changer? And is it worth jumping on them now as opposed to right. waiting to see what they do when they actually return and then having to fight for them off the waiver wire? Yep. That fight can get pretty dastardly in certain mm-hmm. weeks. Albert with a great example from the chat, by the way, Kyron Williams, another good example, a great yep. example of a player like this where you go, if you're stupid like me, and you go, but do we really know who's going to be the next guy up for the Rams? Can we trust it? And you wait, it's gone. It's poof. It disappears uh, into fairy dust, unfortunately. 
one, I think, two with Kyron and just the Rams offense in general. None of us expected the Rams offense to be as explosive as it was this year, um, considering the injuries last year and, you know, all this other stuff. So, any um Jake, do you have any other any other visions from your ghost of fantasy past you want to throw oh. on our, our listeners here? There's there's so many, uh, but none of them are fantasy football related and none of them are appropriate to share with an outside audience. That's for sure. Oh, ooh, that can be DTFF after dark. We can, uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that one's behind our paywall if, if you want to uh, join us there. Right. Gotta pay up if he wants to hear the deets. Uh, no, and that's, honestly, that's, honestly that's, that's good folks, if, if you do want to see a DTFF after dark, uh, let us know. We can arrange for that to happen. Uh, it will be behind a paywall, however, though. That's only for exclusive and members. But, probably but not able to be broadcast on YouTube, if we're being honest. No. You have to go to no, OnlyFans really, for this. Yeah, well, it'll be like a Patreon only or OnlyFans thing. Uh, but we, we can spice it up. Um, but let us know if you're interested in that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure we're going to get tons of requests for that. Uh, anything sure. else that you've been told by the Ghost of Fantasy Pass before we move on here? No, no, not at all. He was he was very specific with me this year and said these are the two things that uh, you fucked up on that you gotta, you know, we we need to revisit these things. Good. Can I take a real quick trip down memory lane then for this? Sure. Because I went back to our previous twenty twenty two. Did I just repeat the exact same shit as uh, last year? Because that would no, be no, no, no. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, that it's honestly it's kind of the opposite of that. I want to say some of the, my my favorite ones from last year uh i did repeat the petition your commissioner for unlimited ir spots i actually backed it off just a little bit this year so i'm proud of myself i didn't look at these until after i wrote my new ones by the way i said high-end quarterbacks are worth the draft capital mm, arguable i'd say arguable yeah. this year patrick mahomes yep. not doing what you thought justin herbert not doing what you thought guys like Dak prescott are meanwhile winning leagues out here Yep. handcuffing running backs i said that's a risky proposition why would you do such a thing you're wasting up too much bench space you see how fast these can these things yep. can flip on you you by the way said go early on travis kelsey and mark andrews and if you miss on either of them wait until the end of your draft to draft tight end that's the one i wanted to point out that is as prescient now as it was back then, although you could argue again, maybe pass even on Travis Kelsey. Just go tight end late. Yep. That was fun. Oh, that was fun. That, that's fun. Thanks. Thanks for 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 that, Jake. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to starts of the week here, um, as we are only got a few of these left to do. Uh, Jake, last week you said. Zay Jones at Baltimore was going to have a baller week. Ended up with 10.9 points. It's okay. Not baller. It's okay. Um, Me, on the other hand, said Puka Nakua was going to ball out versus Washington. Ended up with less than Zay Jones at 10.3. Both I would not consider a baller uh, weeks by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe a one baller, certainly not a two baller. Definitely not a two baller. No, I think we right. can do better this week. I think so too. And Jake, I want to say uh, when I went into the show sheet this afternoon to put my my information in here, 
I saw your start of the week and I really like this one as much as it pains me to say it. Yeah, it's painful because you probably watched some of the game this past week. I mercifully did not watch this game. It's the first Packers game I didn't watch of the year because I was doing a family holiday thing. But boy, was I glad when I saw the aftermath because the Green Bay Packers defense cannot and will not stop anybody. Certainly nobody up the middle of the field. Certainly not a running back. So this week, there's this guy out there. Maybe you heard of him. Chuba Hubbard. He's the running back, the primary running back for the Carolina Panthers. I just feel like every time you get to a guy like Chuba Hubbard and start sit decisions, you go, man, I don't I don't know. I don't really want to start him if I don't have to. And yet, when you look at what Chuba Hubbard has done this season, it's been pretty goddamn impressive, mm-hmm. uh, especially his last few weeks. He does have multiple top 12 finishes. He's normally at least an RB2. He's backed off just a, a scotch these last couple of weeks, but he's generally uh, plug him in RB2 with RB1 upside. I think that upside gets massively exposed this week against the Green Bay Packers. I think you're looking at a top 12 guy. Let me make this distinction clear for people who are debating this. If you have to start Bijan Robinson or Chuba Hubbard, I am starting Chuba Hubbard. There is not a debate to be had. I am firing up Chuba Hubbard. I would I would play Chuba Hubbard above Saquon Barkley as well this week. There is a tier of guys, certainly above Derrick Henry, if you're looking at Derrick Henry. Last week, super bummer for Derrick. And mm-hmm. the Titans are kind of shifting probably with being out of the playoffs now, going going younger. So there's this big tier of guys that you might feel forced to play. If you think that way, just consider Chuba. That's all I want to say. Yeah, and I will say um, I was listening to earlier today uh, the Late Round Perspective by uh, J.J. Zacharyson. He had Pat Pat Fitzmaurice on there, and they were talking about this, that uh, Chuba, since the new coaching staff took over, um, has seen a huge increase in workload, uh, and they're, they're giving him the rock. So that, I think, um, just plays into this even more against a very vulnerable Green Bay defense that, like you said, can't stop anyone, whether it's a running back, wide receiver, quarterback. It doesn't matter. The defense can't stop anyone right now. So, uh, like I said, when I went to so show sheet and saw this, I was like, that is a very great pick, as, as much as it pains me to say it. Like, it's... I'll tell you, let me let me do this because it's the holidays. This is fun. If he does not, if he does not score at least 15 fantasy points, I'll come back and I'll do a shot when we. Ooh, all right. I can't say you're going to be doing a shot next week because of that. (laughs) But uh, um, I do. I do like your confidence there. All right. right. My start of the week here um, is a player that um, coming off. A great outing against these Green Bay Packers. Uh, It's Chris Godwin. Uh, The Jacksonville defense, not very good. Uh, They're one of the worst against uh, wide receivers on the season. So I think the Bucs, I know they they brought it up during the broadcast. I don't know how many times it got annoying, to be honest. How with Tom Brady and the, the last couple seasons, how many like bubble screens that Chris Godwin got that he would just take for all this, all this yak, you know, down the field. And this year, you know, he had only had like four 
of these bubble screens. But then in the Green Bay game, he must have had about 10 of them, I swear to God, uh, because that's all they kept talking about. And he had, I think, a thousand receptions in this game um, that's right. it, 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 for real. So I, I do think that the Bucks, um, they they finally found a way to get Chris Godwin involved. It's it's really been the Mike Evans show this year. Um, and, you know, that 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 tracks because that's all Mike Evans does is, you know, score double digit touchdowns and a thousand yards every year. But I think they finally figured out the magic sauce to get Chris Godwin involved. And I think you're going to see that more, especially against a, a vulnerable secondary here in Jacksonville. See, I think the secret sauce is just playing against Green Bay Packers. I think that's what they figured out. Man, we just got to play the Green Bay Packers. And then, well, that good. could be too. That's, yeah. that's my, how we haven't fired our defensive coordinator yet. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're know. so close to the end of the season and it's going to just wait until then. But and we're too uh, Midwestern about it. You know, nobody know. wants to take the bull by the horns, so to speak, or literally for that matter. Send the guy a bull with horn. Yeah. That's how I. That's how I've been fired in the past. It's not great, but it it taught me a lesson. So get White Goodman in there, that. right? Yes. <laughs> yes, please, please. Right. In every situation. glad you got that reference. Thank you. Finally, after after weeks of missing on these movie references, I I got gotcha. you. You got, you got me you got me good, you fucker. You got me good. Uh, all right. Now, last week, as we recapped at the beginning of the episode, I selected the wager as we were uh -huh. going mano y mano in fantasy. We're not this week, obviously. So you have your druthers here, if I can use a real old-timey word. You have your pick of the litter in what you want to pit us up against here for week 16. So have you looked at the matchups? Does anything stand out to you this week? How about this one? Yeah. Ooh, I, I don't know. Um, I like that you're wavering already. That that makes this probably a good one in my favor. Well, Dude, all right. How about how about wavering? You've got you've got two teams that are jockeying for playoff position. Mm -hmm. um, let's do. It's in the matchup Cowboys v Dolphins, and this is okay. in Miami. Okay. Let's go CD Lamb versus Jalen Waddle. Oh, this is and hard, I'm, and I'm going to assume that Tyreek is out again. I'm not sure what his status is going to be. Yeah, he's still um, debatable. So if Tyreek is out, I want to say Jalen Waddle. Can I hedge this? But if Tyreek is no! out, no, you can't hedge. The hedging makes it too hard because now I now I gotta think too far in advance. Because All I right, want no, we'll, to say we'll, one guy. Real we'll big. say Waddle. Let, let, let's just go Waddle versus CD Lamb. We'll assume that Tyreek is gonna be out. Then I'm taking CD Lamb. Okay. That's how it and All here's right. what I'll offer as a concession. If Tyreek Hill plays, then CeeDee Lamb has to beat him by 10% of his fantasy points. You know what I mean? So, like, he can't just win outright. That's not enough. He's got to get at least 10% more. And I'll do the math. I can, okay. I can figure that out. But that's the caveat I will give you if Tyreek Hill plays. How about that? So, Lamb needs 10%. So, say that more. again. So if Tyreek Hill plays, C.D. Lamb would have to score at least 10% more fantasy points. Meaning, if 
Uh, if Jalen Waddle scores 10 points, CeeDee Lamb has to get 11, I think, at least, is how that works. So he can't win by like 10 and a half. Right? That's how that works. Don't question my math. I hate this. Let's choose a different one altogether. By 10. I'm just trying to type this into the show sheet here. Uh, All right. That's why I was I was half paying attention because I was trying to type it in. Um, You can go in and uh, change that if if I fuck that up. So. (laughs) All right. But yeah, that is what it is. Yeah. He has to have at least 10 percent. Waddle can't sneak by. Yeah, Waddle had an incredible week this last week. CD's been doing CD things all year, finally living up to that hype that we had all thought he was going to be, and kind of disappointed for the first few seasons, but now is just, he's a man. Yeah, he wasn't that, we just were like, oh, is he going to be Devontae Smith? And not just because of their stature, but like, oh, because he he isn't a consistent Mm -hmm. top 12 guy. And I, I was worried about that. I was damn worried yeah. about that. There are those examples of dudes out there looking at you, Juju Smith-Schuster, who uh, fool us a little bit, and then they never really surpass that magic again. So I'm glad to see that C.D. Lamb is not that guy. I am also glad to see that Brandon Cooks is still just around. Even mm-hmm. though he's not thriving necessarily for fantasy football, it still makes me happy. He's He's got his weeks where he... he yeah, again, it's not like he's stealing... From CD Lamb here, any fantasy no. points really? But it's nice to see him produce and still doing uh, Brandon Cooks things from time to time. Agreed. Fan favorite on this show, yeah, Brandon Cooks show. We're renaming it next week. Drinking and talking, Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Cooks. All right, yep. sounds good. Um, any final thoughts here, Jake? Before we sign off for the evening. Good luck and Godspeed to everybody still fighting in the fantasy playoffs. I hope that you get the win that projects you into the championship. Uh, Share with us your gloating, by the way. If you've gotten to the stage and you're just happy as hell about your team, brag to us. Find us on on Twitter. Submit to us Mm -hmm. uh, on Instagram, which we are now broadcasting live to. Wherever the, the deal is, let us know how good your team is or let us know how shitty your team is or how bad your beat was in the fantasy playoffs we want to hear it all good and bad so uh talk to us people that's right that's right um and we will be taking a short hiatus here over the next couple weeks throughout the holidays here um since we are kind of at the tail end of the fantasy season here we're going to take a couple weeks recharge the batteries just enjoy watching some football since uh you know neither of us have uh any real fight in the game here for the fantasy playoffs? Uh, a little. Yeah, a little. I mean, just, you know, we, we bit. Uh, but just enjoy football for what it is here. Uh, enjoy the holidays. And we'll be back uh, in the new year. But that does not mean that we're not checking our DMs. So if you do have start sit questions, uh, any trade questions here as, as we're getting into the fantasy uh, finals, Hopefully your leagues don't have any uh, trade deadlines so you can continue to do trades. Uh, hit us up. We we will answer those questions for you. Uh, find my partner here at Jake Trowbridge. You can find me at FF Dusty Dog or hit us up at the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. One of us is always checking the handle. So we are here for you to answer any, any of those questions. Good luck throughout the rest of the fantasy playoffs, folks. May you have tremendous victories and may your opponents have humiliating defeats. 
And until the new year, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, Zap Peppers.